Welcome to our Ephesians Bible study tonight. Uh, we're in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 13. And we were talking about fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness and not walking in darkness or fellowshipping with, with uh, people who are evil. Uh, and the, the Bible, you know, is the light of God. And it reproves, and it says all things are reproved or made manifest by the light. And the Bible is certainly light. It's the light to our path. Uh, certainly, uh, whosoever doth make manifest is light. And we're to be, supposed to be lights ourselves, and we can't hang around darkness and be light. Amen? Amen? So, and then it says this, Awake thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Well, I just... Quoted a little bit ago, a verse from Romans that says, Awake out of your sleep. Uh, you know, we tend sometimes to become spiritually groggy or sleep. Uh, and it talks about that sometimes. Awake, awake out of our lethargy. And I think we spiritually sometimes get into a lethargy. And it says, Awake out of that, and Christ will give you light. And by the way, light reproves, is a reprover of darkness. Uh, why? According to John 3, could men not believe in Christ? They would not become, they would not come to Christ because he was the light and light reproves evil. And men loved what? Evil, darkness, more than light. Some people are just not going to come to Christ because they love evil. <clears throat> and that, that's the simple truth according to John chapter 3. Now anytime there is darkness, light takes away darkness. If we come to this room and it's dark and we flip on a light, where does the darkness go? It's, it dissipates. It's gone. In the, where there is light, there is no darkness. And that's something we must remember. And if we're spiritually awake, looking for those attacks, looking for the influence it's speaking of, then we will persevere. Look at chapter 6, verse 12 here, as we're talking about this same Kind of thing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We need to wake up and realize that every Christian, every church in the world, we're in a spiritual battle. We're we're fighting an enemy. He is this enemy has uh, in every part of society. He's the enemy's in government. The enemy is in schools school and educational system. The enemy is everywhere and has inculcated himself into every, virtually every part of our society, even to the point of even sneaking in the church now and then. So uh, the enemy is there present for all of us. But where we go, if we're involved in any of those things, government, school, whatever, we as Christians should be the light. We should be the ones who bring light to the world and salt. Let us remember that. But remember, we are in a spiritual battle. And our enemy is everywhere in this battle. Uh, verse 15, and we're back to our walk again. We've talked a lot about the walk. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Uh, you know, to use wisdom. And using wisdom, we use wisdom, don't disregard it. Along with using wisdom, if we do that, and we're wise in our planning, and our work, and our service, we can actually redeem the time. Next verse. 
Because what? The days are evil. They flit away. So, uh, this is something that is here to help us. And then we see true spirituality, verses 17 through 21. And I want to talk about a lot about this. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look and concentrate on these verses. And these verses are going to bleed into the next verses about submission. Now, we're afraid of that word. Uh, I don't want to be in submission anymore. I don't be, want to be in We're all in submission. I can't drive down the interstate at 120, even though I might like to. No, I, I wouldn't like to. But uh, if I wanted to, I could. I, I mean, I could until I got stopped. It's illegal. We are in submission to the laws of this country. And there are people paid and employed to enforce the laws of the country, the laws of the land. And we are, as Christians, to obey them. And we're under subjection to these laws, to our government officials, to the police. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's going to talk in a lot of this chapter about submitting yourselves, verse 21, one to another in the fear of God. That's all part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. A believer who is truly filled with the Holy Spirit will submit themselves, first of all, to God, doing His will. And then he will f- submit himself to the authorities that God has placed in his life, whether it be those who enforce the law, judges, whatever, societal uh, restraints. In your case, it might be your boss. He is an authority to you. There are a lot of authority figures in our life and we, as Christians, should obey them. Um, and this is part of our willingness to be, submission to the Holy Spirit. Um, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How often do you give thanks in your prayers? I always say, you need to give thanks always. Always give thanks unto God. And it says here to give thanks unto God. This is What is a spiritual person to do? Speaking to yourself with spiritual things, singing, making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things unto God. I put a post, a post on Facebook today. Everybody needs to take a happy pill in America. A happy pill. And really, I said, you need to be happy because it says happy is the people whose, whose God is the Lord. If no other reason, we should be happy for that and glad. And we should walk by means of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, filling means simply control of the Holy Spirit. And the example is given here. If you drank too much wine... What happens to you? You begin to walk funny, act funny, talk funny. You, you're, you're, why are you doing that? Because the wine is controlling you. If you drink enough of it, your split, your <laughs> I've had none. That your speech is slurred. Your speech is slurred. Your walk in your gait is not good. 
And that is the wine controlling you. So it says, be not drunk with wine, but be, what, filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit in such a way that your thoughts, your actions, your mouth are guided by the Holy Spirit. Pastor, have you always been guided with the Holy Spirit? No. Uh, there have been many times I went off the reservation. Uh, my associate pastor saw one of them one day. We went to lunch and we were building a new sanctuary and the inspectors had given us such grief, major grief, and Finally, uh, one had gotten on my last I, bit of patience, and it ran out. And I said something to him I should never have said. I, I said, oh, I, I, I'm not even going to tell you what I said. It's so, it's so terrible. And that basically I, I wished that God would do away with me. And... Uh, I had to repent about that, and I had to say, I'm sorry. I don't know. What am I thinking? I'm not, this is not of the Spirit of God. And we had, we stopped right there at lunch and prayed, and I confessed, and, and we prayed for the man, and, you know, it's good I prayed for him that day, because I've got to tell you the, the whole story here. This will show you, this is God. And I prayed for him that day, and, and, and reached out to him then to befriend him, and he became a friend. Well, lo and behold, a few years later, his son became my youth minister. So, <laughs> well, just show you, you know, but, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But yes, oh, we can let circumstances and things get a hold of us and, and, and pull us away from the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and thank God, God, old Scott, brought me right back in. And that's what you have to do is that if you're a Christian and you see... That even your pastor is is out of sorts, you know. Help him. He's he's not filled with the spirit, pastor. Now you know that's not right. And I said, Yeah, you're right. That's not right. And we prayed. I said, I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong here. And I'm praying, Lord, let me correct this. And He did. But we can all have moments. But let the Lord through His Holy Spirit, control you in your life. And part of that is confession of sin. You have to acknowledge when you sin. If you don't, if I had not acknowledged that, I'd still be out of fellowship. You know, I had to acknowledge the sin to get back in fellowship. And that's part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look back in chapter 4, verse 30, what does it say there? Grieve not the Holy Spirit, now, what were they doing, we assume, to grieve the Holy Spirit? Verse 29, corrupt communication. Bad words about people. The most notable way that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God is to talk about people. And usually it's something negative about them. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, when it happens, when that happens, the source is cut off when we're not Filled with the Holy Spirit. We are in neutral. We're not going forward anywhere. And if we continue, we'll begin to go backward. 
the command is given in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything to stop the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you have grieving the Holy Spirit, which is to do things against the Lord. You have filling of the Holy Spirit, which is when we're controlled. And then you have quenching. Quenching is when, like putting out a fire with, with a bucket of water. Uh, and that's what happens when we quench the Holy Spirit. And we do that in many ways. It's like putting out a fire. Uh, some in the church, unfortunately, have a unique ability to help people do that. I call them the bucket brigade. The bucket brigade will help anyone put out the, the living Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit in their life. Uh, so you have to watch out for the bucket brigade or the bucket committee. Uh, so grieving the Holy Spirit is along more lines of personal sin. Quenching has more to do with our attitudes, pride, neglecting the gifts, while grieving is, our, uh, is more along the lines of direct sin. Sin removes us from fellowship with Him and grieves God. Notice, make melody in your heart. Be joyful and give thanks always for all things. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, giving thanks always for all things. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. So, um, giving thanks for all things? Really, Pastor? Do you, mean, do you mean that? Giving thanks for all things? All things. We give thanks for all things. And God mentions that a lot. What's it say in Romans 8.28? All things work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to His purpose. Now we come to that submission thing, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Men, be the spiritual examples and leaders in your home. That's all that's saying there. Don't make more of it than it is. As the church is subject to Christ, so is the wives be their husbands and everything. Then husbands, you have a responsibility to love your wives. And I always say that if you love your wife the way you should, guess what? She'll follow you. You don't have to browbeat her into it. She'll do it. And, and by the way, if, we, if the church understands how much Jesus loves them, they follow Jesus. They understand that in their heart, so so and so forth. But submission is found in other scriptures, uh, and I would say, look at chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. That means follower. That means to be in submission to Him. Okay? To be subject is to be put under one's authority. And I understand this principle. You know, if you understand it, you'll be way ahead of most Christians who have not learned it yet. Service to God is not a partnership with you and God. It's not a partnership. It is not a partnership. It is subjecting our will and self to the will of God. It's not us making a deal with God. Not I'll do so much. It's, not, it's submitting your own will and self to the will of God, the Holy Spirit, and letting God run the show. 
and we are His willing servants. Hard for pastors to understand that sometimes. We have to let God run the show, not us. I have to listen sometimes. Uh, I, and Chad knows this. I, he's got messages. I don't have any messages that I threw away so far. Probably about five. A message that I prepared, and I said, I'm not preaching that. That that one wasn't in the ballpark. It wasn't what God wanted. It was just something I came up with. We have to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Most people never get that. If you mention submission, they bristle. We're independent-minded. They want to be their own boss. I'll do it my way. And that's their platitude. But it's a great secret to learn humility and submission to the Holy Spirit of God. And it wins the Christian lottery. Success and blessing are never ending for that person. If we understand that, we understand verses 22 and 23 take on a whole new meaning in verse 22 and 23. If we understand that, that it's a form of blessing. What woman would not want to follow a man who is godly and a good man and a good leader, totally committed Submitted to Christ and loves her supremely. What woman would not want to follow that man? First, it's, and first and foremost, it's mutual submission. You understand that? They have to, the wife and the husband, verse 21, have to submit themselves to each other first. The Bible talks about this in Corinthians. It says, when you're married, you belong to each other. You know? The man doesn't have authority over his body. The wife doesn't have authority over her body. We belong to each other now. That's mutual submission. And if we submit ourselves as husband and wife before the Lord, the rest will take care of itself. I have a feeling. You don't have to, uh, if you do that, you don't have to say to your wife, I'm the boss. I don't think I've ever said to my wife, I'm the boss. Unless I was kidding. Uh, And we both, we, we bring different gifts into marriage. I've never handled a checkbook my entire marriage. You say, oh, I can't. I had a, uh, one man. He scolded me. He says, aren't you the head of your home? I said, I certainly am. And I delegated that job because I'm not good at it. I said, a wise leader delegates what he's not good at to somebody who is good at it, right? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'm a good leader. I'm not sure about you because you're doing it just because you think you're the head of the home. It's a mutual submission to God, and we both have different gifts. What husband would I, what hus, kind of husband would this man make, verse 25? To love his wife as Christ loved the church, a good husband. Will he be selfish, putting himself ahead of her all the time, or putting himself ahead of her all the time? No. Or will he be sacrificial, even to the point of hurting himself in order to please the one he loves? Answer that question. He will be the one who would put himself out. He would suffer to please the one he loves. Am I right? That's the illustration here. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. This is how we're to love our wives. You see, when you understand it, the whole context, it clears all this issue up. You know, you have people around. I don't want to submit to my Well, if you understand the context of the scripture here, you will. What, what, again, what woman wouldn't want a man like that? The woman is not second class here. No less than the Son of God 
is second class to the Father. He is not. This is a matter of stations. Um, we might say the president's the president, but the vice president's still pretty good, isn't he? And by the way, if the president can't be there, who's the president? The vice president. So, you know, I don't look at the vice presidency of the United States as a menial job. Uh, let's read on. Verse 28, 29. I sought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. Uh, he looks out for the welfare of his mate. Uh, verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular... So love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Uh, men, love, women, respect your husbands. Don't, that doesn't mean that wives don't have to love their husbands. No, they do. Titus uh, 2.4 says, women, love your husbands. Amen. <laughs> you have to love them too. Uh, but look at the relationship. Verse Again, verse 23. The relationship. Does, the, does Jesus disrespect us? Never. Isn't it more likely we will disrespect him than the other way around? These verses have been abused, misused, twisted, in every way you think of them justify all kinds of wrong. They do not teach the things that people say. Well, we're going to close out there with chapter 5 tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Tune in next time as we go into chapter 6 of Ephesians. God bless you. Let's pray, Lord. We thank you for this time. We pray for the sick in our church. We pray for the coming pastor, Lord, who will be coming shortly. And we pray and give thanks for the search committee who did such a fine job. And, Lord, we ask a blessing on First Baptist Church and its future and all the people in it. In Jesus' name, amen.